0: Can you type, Mandy? Is that easier for you? Yes. Okay. Um, I didn't want to cancel. Uh-huh.
1: Hey, guys, I'm here. Please, please. Hey,
0: Chris. I can hear you all. Can you can you hear me okay? Yeah. Okay. The, the plan is that I'm not going to be speaking very much. Okay. But that's okay, because you guys have all the wonderful knowledge, so. <laughs> oh, Mandy, I'm so sad for you. I know, I know. It's well, better today than yesterday, because I was lecturing all day yesterday. Oh, man. <laughs> uh, um, Lauren, can you read the chat? Yeah, I can see it, and I have my notes up, so. And then he can see it too because he's me.
2: Okay, if I. uh,
0: This is a lot harder than I thought it was going to be because I've been talking all morning. So I thought it would be okay, but it's so much effort for me to talk. Yeah. Yeah, okay, so I just sent something. Okay, so I have. Since this topic was brought up by Ayes, I'm going to suggest that you guys take the lead. Uh, okay. share what you learned about your topic with one of your most interesting studies then ask Chris and Lauren if they have any comments or any research they found that relates to it alright
2: okay alright so as we know our topic is exercise and the brain um, so of course I didn't I, I found a bunch of literature actually a lot of, um discussing a lot of important and cool things uh, and one of the most interesting things that I've found, BDNF, um, we'll get into that later, um, but just a quick overview. Um, so in my research last week, um, of course, I learned that exercise, not only is it just good for your body and keeping you healthy, um, it is also good for your mind and do keep it sharp, keep it healthy and um, there is a lot of uh, research and there's a lot of evidence that suggests not only in young adults but people who are aging it's a it's a great way of coping with aging um, not only for your body but for your brain as well um, because because of all the benefits uh, that it comes with uh, it's helping with memory it helps with stress um, there's actual Growth in certain areas of the brain, like the hippocampus, which is also associated with memory. Um, so yeah, we can we can get further into in detail into that. But one of the things, one of the most um, interesting topics that I found was something called BDNF or the brain-derived neurotropic factor. So it is it is a compound produced uh, in the brain um, as a byproduct of exercise. And uh, it, is, it, is contrib- it is a contributing factor in many things, uh, such as something that I meant, mentioned, neurogenesis and the uh, uh, hippocampal growth, or keeping it healthy and uh, assists in other areas of the brain as well. So many studies, uh, not only just with, um, as I mentioned, not j- only just with young adults, but with older um, adults um, who are healthy and um, who are not healthy, or who are going through certain certain conditions like dementia or alzheimer's they and uh, they studied that increase increase in the bdnf due to exercise like over where they conducted tests like over periods of 7 or 8 weeks or if they did a long term study for a year what they saw was that bdnf increase in bdnf due to exercise was evident and that in turn was making them healthier and helping them with their um, spatial skills or memory skills. So um, I, actually found,
1: sorry, I actually found some similar uh, research regarding that. It was talking about uh, persons with dementia and mm-hmm. saying how even uh, exercise once to twice a week um, could significantly uh, help out the neural pathways and the actual symptoms within uh, the person's brain around that. Um, It actually spoke to you about the aerobic exercise versus the weightlifting uh, type of exercise where in actual fact, uh, weightlifting would help with executive functioning. Mm -hmm. So, for example, if you were at the bank talking to the teller and there's somebody that is in another line that is acting in a behavior that's maybe not appropriate or whatnot, your ability to actually focus on that person that you're working with, as opposed to the person in the line, uh, that falls under the executive functioning.
2: Okay. Okay, yeah, um, Chris. So, the, the, I'm pretty like I'm. I'm pretty sure I did uh, see something about um, that as well, dementia specifically. But could you uh, tell me a little more uh, about this distinction? Um, about how how there's a difference between the aerobic and uh, like like you mentioned strength training. Like, is it is it that they're working on different areas of the brain, or is it that once producing more? Um, BDNF or could you shed like a little more light on that?
1: What it talks a lot about is the neural pathways. In mm-hmm. particular, um, when you're doing particular types of exercise, there is neural pathways uh, that are actually created that allows uh, the electrical circuits to pass through. So even if there's something there that's blocked, uh, this executive mm-hmm. functioning will allow um, the neurons to fire and whatnot. Uh, and it's really dependent on the specific type of exercise. Again, the weightlifting versus the aerobic type of exercise. Right. Um, and I actually did say between the two of them, the aerobic exercise kind of has the spotlight. And the way they kind of put it was, although weightlifting doesn't quite have the floor, like the, the aerobic type exercise does, it's definitely not sitting at home crying about it. In other words, there there are benefits to both of them. It may have been proven through research uh, and various things that we actually read about in research that aerobic exercise takes a different stance. However, when talking about the creation of neural pathways and whatnot, um, the weight lifting part of it and the aerobic is very instrumental.
2: OK, I see. Um so there was other studies that I also looked at um, which may I'm not sure exactly why uh, the difference there is but some of the some of the things that I looked at was uh, something to do with the blood flow on uh, how much how much blood flow is uh, your brain receiving and depending on what type of exercise you're doing I think um, there's a difference in that so if you're doing strength training yeah um, there are times when you're going to be getting a um, heart faster your, beat, your heart's going to be beating faster sorry um like if you're doing squats or something like that but majority of the resistance training that you do is focused uh, more on your muscles rather than increasing your heart rate or maintaining your heart rate at a at a certain number so i i believe if you're doing the aerobic exercise the, the reason might be why that we're getting more bdnf there is because um that constant blood flow to to the brain, because uh, if you're running or any aerobic exercise that you're doing, your heart's constantly pumping blood to all your all your organs, and of course, it's making to the brain, making its way to the brain as well. Um, what are your thoughts on that? Do you think um, that may be the reason, or do you think there's other reasons um, for that distinction?
1: That's true. Also, I think the thing that we have to look at also is the neurotransmitters that are going through um, while we're actually exercising. So for example, mm-hmm. you have dopamine yeah, um, and you have the reward system. And so when you exercise, you're pushing your body kind of to the limit of its, you know, how it can move, its capacity, blood flow and all that sort of thing. And the exercise seems to then off these neurotransmitters so that you actually feel that reward from doing it. You feel better. Um, I've read studies that says it helps you to study better, helps you to sleep better. Um, because of the type of aerobic mm-hmm. exercise you're doing and you're you're pushing your body past, let's say, what it would normally be in a resting position.
2: Okay. Um, so, Laura, what, uh, what are your thoughts uh, about
0: this. Um, so I found something really interesting about yeah. uh, the different types of exercises rather than weightlifting versus aerobics. I, there's um, a discussion about whether doing voluntary exercise versus being forced to exercise mm-hmm. has a different um, effect on the brain. So they mm-hmm. haven't quite discovered exactly what the effect is um but they found that in rats that were forced to run on the treadmill um it might involve different levels of involvement in um that affect the muscle work compared to voluntary exercises mm-hmm. so it said that specific mechanisms explaining adaptations associated with voluntary versus forced exercises is unknown however they believe that uh the metabolic and neurochemical pathways related to skeletal muscles might be affected differently when you're being forced to work out versus when you're doing it voluntarily Um, and it might affect different areas of the brain to different different degrees so that that was kind of interesting rather than the type of exercise it's more Mm -hmm. so for being forced like by your trainer Mm -hmm. versus you voluntarily going to the gym and doing it because you enjoy it
2: so in that case is it that um in both those situations there is well, of course, I'm I'm sure there's some sort of a benefiting factor to mm-hmm. both of those. Yeah. Um physically, but when it comes to the brain, like are you still getting the benefits of that exercise if you were to be forced into doing it? Or
0: um I you know? think that what they believe might be affected the most is um like what Chris said, endorphins are released to make you feel happier. Mm-hmm. Um they believe that when you're doing it voluntarily that perhaps more endorphins are released compared Mm -hmm. to when you're being forced to exercise because when you're doing it voluntarily you would assume one enjoys doing it Um, they're more excited to get engaged physically so they believe that um, different neurotransmitters that make you feel happy might be released in a greater amount Mm -hmm. versus when you're forced to do it
2: yeah i did Did i did talk about sorry chris go on please Did,
1: did they talk about strain at all so, for example, what I mean by that is, if someone's being forced to exercise, they don't really want to do it. They don't have the motivation. Mm-hmm. They talk at all about the possibility of more actual physical strain being put on the body because of the uh, lack of willingness or or whatnot to to actually do this exercise versus someone who enjoys it and is doing it because they're they're out there and it's an enjoyable activity.
0: Um, That's that something. I didn't find um only because i guess they did it and so it's more difficult to determine Mm -hmm. whether they actually enjoy it um which would be it would be easier to ask like human participants if Mm -hmm. they enjoy the activity versus rats you can only infer Mm -hmm. on the conditions that they may or may not so that's still unknown um i didn't find anything about about that
2: i think that would definitely be interesting to see as well because um if you could study for example um, like a younger population, even even if it was like middle school or high school kids, mm-hmm. if we could see, but I, the, the problem with that, would, I guess, would be to, how to go about creating a test like that, yeah, where you could get someone to force kids into <laughs> doing exercise. But um, yeah, I would I would definitely be, uh, interested interested in seeing the effects, like if they are under stress or if the exercise is causing them more stress mm-hmm. uh, than it is causing them benefit. What exactly are, like, what is that leading to in their brain? Is it, is it still contributing to that BDNF increase, or is it just being nullified because uh, the amount of
1: stress that they're, they're under because yeah. of that?
0: That would be interesting.
1: Yeah. Some of that, I wonder too if it could be monitored through uh, things like MRI, um, actually watching the strain of somebody while they're doing uh, particular exercises. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, with like a functional MRI or even something that's being uh, manipulated to be an exercise type thing. If you can watch what's actually happening in the brain, be able to tell, you know, if somebody's not really interested in it. <coughs> excuse me, if the body is reacting differently or even the way that chemicals are dispersed or whatnot uh, in a person who's interested versus somebody who, you know, is a, bodybuilder, personal trainer, and somebody that really loves to be in that atmosphere. Right.
2: Yeah. Um, I think there's definitely a lot of potential, too, um, for future studies now, Um, because there's already um, very solid literature that we have on exercise and its benefits in general on the human body. And now um, with advances in neuroscience itself, how we're able to study the brain and how we've made that connection now um, between exercise and its benefit not just on the body and the brain. I think um, in coming years, even in a decade or two, we should be seeing a lot of um, progression. And there's, a, a, I'm hoping, a lot of research in these areas where we can, or oh, something like you mentioned, you know, studying them while they're while they're exercising to see exactly mm-hmm. um, what's happening. Yeah,
1: yeah. And the thing is, it'd be interesting to see. Um, even from the studies that we found. Yeah. If you look across the lifespan, what's happening, you know, what, how is it affecting somebody who's in their teens and their twenties? And then how it's affecting somebody in their sixties and seventies and people that are experiencing things like dementia.
0: Because
1: it seems like most of the stuff that we read about, it talks about across the lifespan. But I personally, this is the first time I've actually seen have an effect on something like dementia or alzheimer's and it it all Mm. looks in a positive direction
2: yeah yeah definitely because um i think it's um it's a tool um at our disposal like exercising just like because because um in in my research i did listen to a few speakers as well who were were, uh, quite the experts in in this field itself and um they talked about uh, BDNF. Once uh, the BD- discovery of BDNF, people were like, okay, well, if it's a compound, why can't uh, Big Pharma just produce it um, and then try to sell it? We would make a lot of money. But um, as, as of now, what they found is that the single best way for you to increase your BDNF is um, exercise. There's no other way that BDNF is released in that same quantity, in that same magnitude. So Exercise if you already have that tool at your disposal and if it's something you can incorporate into your own life um, not just not just for your body, for your brain, but just for peace of mind and just to feel good. Um, I think that's definitely something we should all look into and um, you know I guess we can all talk about um, some personal experiences too because I know personally when I exercise or when I'm in a routine, um, not only does it motivate me to, you know, look good for myself. I, I'm also motivated to do well in other fields as well. Like if, if, I'm, if I'm waking up and going to the gym and doing resistance training or aerobic training, whatever it is. And if I'm telling myself, well, if I can do this for an hour and a half, I can't do anything else for that same amount of time. I can go to class for an hour and a half, or I can study for an hour and a half. So I have um, definitely have personally experienced these effects I, I can see the elevation in my mood. I can see that I have a better time focusing. It's way easier to focus um, when I've when I've exercised and when I have a clear mind. And it just gives me motivation to keep going and just do other things as well and just follow a healthy lifestyle.
0: So, sorry, um, if
1: you want to comment on that? Sorry, Chris. I was just saying, actually, for you to go ahead if you'd like.
0: Oh, um, so I found something related to physical activity and the well-being that Aya has mentioned. Um, So there was a study done that looked at the effect of physical exercise in children, and they found um, that there's higher levels of self-efficiency, task goal orientation, and their perceived competence in themselves. Um, So they found that doing regular exercise for at least 30 minutes, I believe it's five times a week. Um, It's associated with better health health outcomes in children, such as better mood and self-concepts. So it gives children better feelings of control, competency, self-efficiency, improved self-concepts and esteems, which in turn affects their uh, positive social interactions with other children, which can lead to greater opportunities for fun, enjoyment, and just overall academic achievement. Um, And they also looked at the effects for the aging population and they noticed a similar um, outcome where physical exercise in the aging population, again, makes the aging population feel as though they have more independence. Um, They tend to have better social relationships and mental health. And it could be associated with um, social interactions that may be involved in doing physical activity so when you go to the gym you tend to run into people that you see every day you can have more friendships better interactions with people um, and you're more likely to have positive interactions with people at the gym because you've got these endorphins running through you um, rather than just being angry and feeling down so I thought that that was really interesting for both ends of the spectrum with age. Didn't really mention anything about middle-aged people. Um, It was more so focused on children and the elderly, which I thought was important because health practitioners and stuff, they always suggest physical activity, especially in the elderly, Um, though it might need to be modified based on what their physical limitations are. They say overall, it tends to have a positive effect, both physically and mentally. I thought that was important.
1: <laughs> so, Very I much so, and I've I've heard before also even just movement. Mm-hmm. You know, when you're in a university class and you've been sitting at a lecture for an hour and a half and you've got a break, you get yeah. up and go for a walk and get up and move around. There, mm-hmm. there's more oxygen at that time that will go to the brain as well mm-hmm. uh, when you take that rest or you take that movement. So. That's why they say in a lot of the studies too, even minimal stuff, just taking a five or 10 minute walk, um, whether it's every day, a couple times a day, five, 10 times a day, doesn't matter. You're getting the, the oxygen to, to the brain and it's helping yourself. You may not realize it, but you're actually helping yourself by doing that sort of thing. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I also noted um, with the same study, they said that physical exercise, it can reduce and prevent negative behaviors such as smoking, alcohol, gambling, Mm -hmm. and it can help regulate your impulse for hunger. So I thought that was interesting. And I think that's pretty obvious in everyday life. When you're working out, you tend to have a more positive outlook on, on your health. So you tend to engage in less harmful behaviors like smoking, drinking excessively, um, sitting on the couch, things like that. And when you're working out and your metabolism is balanced, you tend to tend to be less likely to overindulge in food or underindulge. Um, but they also mentioned it can also have a negative effect. So in the case of eating disorders, physical activity can lead to um, exercise addiction and withdrawal mm-hmm. symptoms. So I thought that that's also interesting because it can have a negative effect. I'm interested in discovering what that trigger would be to that makes somebody go from um, engaging in healthy physical activity to it becoming a negative um, type of behavior. So I don't know if that's just a different mechanism in an individual's brain that some people are predisposed to and others are not. Um, maybe that's something we could look into more
2: down the road. I'm actually glad um, you brought that up because um, in our abnormal psychology class last uh, semester that was something actually we discussed when we were mm-hmm. looking at eating disorders so um I can't recall if it was uh, bulimia or bulimia nervosa or if it was um anorexia um uh, I think it was for both that uh one of the techniques um uh, for the people is a purging technique um so aside from them eating and then yeah. trying to throw up after uh, to get rid of that, um, they will they will take part in vigorous exercise mm-hmm. um, as a way of making up for that. So if they have a binge uh, episode right now, three hours later in the evening, they might be like, "Okay, well, I got to make up for that," and they yeah. will over exercise mm-hmm. excessively. And not only just exercise, they would um, they would implement um, they would implement a, Diet, diet diet that is not really healthy it's um more damaging than it is healthy but as a way of just coping with that mm-hmm. or you know it's like give and take they're like okay yeah. well if i eat so much i'm not going to eat for this this, this many this hours many. or this many days um so that in those in those individuals uh that's something that was noted so i guess um that could relate to that where you found some people are over exercising yeah. or do it in a way to harm themselves um, another thing that Chris mentioned, I really want to touch on, on quickly, um, he mentioned that uh, about university students and took an example of mm-hmm. us just being in class and how we get a break for 15 or 10 minutes and we get to walk around. So I actually looked at a study um, that was looking at about, I think, 50 or 55 young adults um, and how cerebral blood flow um, has has an impact on inhibitory control. So I'm guessing that has to do with focus and attention. So they saw that if there was an increase in the cerebral blood flow, which of course would be, as we previously discussed, because of aerobic exercise or any exercise. This study mentions um just really any sort of exercise, but it, it does focus on acute uh, aerobic exercise. Um, Increased um, blood flow or cerebral growth, flow would, of course, have uh, an impact on that. So they they did see studies indicate that um, students have a better time focusing and just paying attention. And uh, overall, it increases um, this inhibitory control.
0: Now, relating Um, to that, I would be interested for university students. I'd be interested in knowing whether doing physical activity before class would show a significant impact on... Attention mm. and um and focus versus working out after class? That mm. would be something to discuss. And how do how do university students go about doing that when they have ADM classes? You know, what yeah. other things does that affect? Yeah. So does that that would I mean for me if I have an ADM class, I live in Burlington, so mm. I'm up by 5 30, yeah. leaving around 6, 6 30. If I were to do that, get to the gym earlier, work out. I'm interrupting my sleep Mm -hmm. to work out. So though it might make me feel better, may give me increased attention and focus during class, would that affect my cycle later on because it's impacting my sleep?
1: Um, I was was actually going to make on that because we were talking about um, the overexercising and you you can overexercise to the point where you get yourself into an extreme exhaustion, or uh, something that will actually affect your sleep pattern. So it would be interesting to kind of see how that works out, um, along with looking at the, the inhibitory control type of stuff. Are you better concentrated on your professor when the professor is teaching, or mm-hmm. are you concentrated more on your friend who's sitting over there playing on their iPhone or on Facebook or something like that while they're supposed to be listening to the lecture? yeah that's where the that's where the inhibitory control piece comes in mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm. okay so i'm glad that you mentioned um 8 a.m classes so um i did try this out uh, since i live in brampton. i live in brampton so for okay. me it's a it's about a 30 minute commute or so okay. so i did try that out for a while before my 8 a.m.s. i would wake up around five thirty, get to the gym by six try to work out for an hour and uh, i experienced exactly what you just mentioned so even though when I was coming to class, uh, I felt way more active and way more attentive. So I yeah. could pay attention better. I was focused more. But I think it started taking a toll um, on my actual sleep, um, and that's um, well, that's that's more like a pro- uh, problem for our demographic, I guess, because we're students. Yeah. So and it's it's not part. It's partly because. We may have a hard time managing our schedules, partly because some of us like to procrastinate. Uh, but yeah, definitely uh, my sleep started suffering. And um, I know later, later on in our, in our later episodes, we are going to discuss uh, the importance of sleep and um, the importance of nutrition both mm-hmm. um, alongside with exercise to make you say your body and your mind better. Yeah. But yeah, I, defi- I definitely uh, can attest to that. Yeah. that it started uh, affecting me in a more negative way. So I had to give up that time early morning workouts yeah. um, so I can just, you know, get enough sleep so I can still focus in class. So
0: can function. And, yeah, so I can be functioning
2: throughout <laughs> the day, not just in one class. Yeah, yeah.
1: I think generally, if we were to sort of summarize this or look at this exercise, and nutrition, which would be talked about uh, at a later time, both could have benefits or non-benefits to mm-hmm. daily functioning, to physiological uh, responses, uh, to even right down to health. You know, when you look at the mm-hmm. fact that exercise can affect the way you sleep, you think, okay, I'll go exercise and I'll sleep better, mm-hmm. and whatever, because we talk about that a lot it also can impact your sleep in a negative way. Mm -hmm. It can impact your health in a negative way. Um, If you have other conditions that can tie in, it can impact, like we talked about, eating disorders and whatnot. It can impact that in a negative way. So would you guys say that we're interpreting maybe the same way it has to be an equal balance?
2: Oh, for sure. I definitely agree with that. Um, because, and I'm glad uh, that you did touch on points where, um, where you mentioned, um, over-exercising or exercising too much because definitely, um, at one end of the spectrum, people are not working out enough and there's people who are working out a little too much. Like if you're going in, um, seven days a week doing resistance training for two hours in the gym, um, that's a lot of strain, not only on your muscles, but also on your central nervous system. And, um, it needs a break as well, like uh, it needs time to just like your body needs time. Okay. Uh, yeah, it needs time to repair, uh, recover. And uh, if you're obviously putting a little too much strain on it, then r- your recovery gets impacted. And when your recovery gets impacted, um, your other daily tasks get impacted, your progression gets slower. Even if you're working out seven days a week and your body isn't able to recover from that, from the exertion that you're putting it under each week, um, then every time you're working out, you're initially not well. You're not making that progress. Either you're staying at a plateau, or in the long term, you're harming yourself.
1: So um,
2: I agree with
1: that. I've also read too that uh, over exercising or over exerting your muscles can also lead to other types of injuries too. So even if you're not necessarily specifically on the gym floor. Doing yeah. something and you get injured. You, you've overworked and not given your body the time to recover from that. So you could be prone to other injuries that you probably don't want to have. And that leads to many other types of things, including a restriction in your exercise. Because yeah. now you've injured yourself. So you're not, not able to do what you're pushing to do. Your goal there anymore for you work to work too because you've been injured and it's restricted to you.
0: So related to that, I found um, another study that discussed the BDNF levels and depression. So it said that BDNF has antidepressant effects on its own. Um, And they noted that when exercise is terminated abruptly, like in the case where athletes hurt themselves and suddenly they're they're off um, for the season and they don't work out, they notice that these BDNF levels fall way below the normal level,
1: mm-hmm.
0: um, which might be the reason why some athletes experience extreme depression after they injure themselves. I thought that kind of related to what you just said, Chris. Mm-hmm.
1: And yeah, and it you it you. makes sense. Chris because
2: Christ, if, you're
1: constant, if you're constantly training all the time and you're constantly producing you know, all the things that we've talked about, you know, the good feeling, the reward system, all that different kinds of stuff.
2: Mm-hmm. You
1: have to think if you're doing three, four months of intense training, now your, your competition has come and it goes, now you're done. Yep. And your training goes down because now you're not going to compete till next year. So yep. you're not producing those things anymore as much. Anyways, mm-hmm. you might not stop completely training to keep uh-huh. yourself fit. If you're not training a type of intensity, you've been training for the three months before the race, so to speak.
0: Yeah, definitely. And I guess that can relate again, that can in turn cause um, negative behaviors like eating disorders and exercise addiction, or I guess it's not exercise addiction, because they're not working out in this case, but it could lead to other unhealthy behaviors when these levels fall as a, as a means to cope with the depression they might be experiencing and, I mean, athletes have a strong sense of identity in their sports. Mm-hmm. They're, they're very much like, I am the football player. I am the dancer in my class. And when that mm-hmm. is taken away from them and they experience depression because these levels are falling, mm-hmm. um, that mm-hmm. can lead to more harmful behavior. So I think that just further explains the need for that. There's a very delicate balance between working out enough and working out too much mm-hmm. and the effects that it has on us
2: um the point that you mentioned how if it was if there was an injury and it was um interrupted like Mm -hmm. randomly um i think i would be interested to see not only in athletes but um just in the general population for someone let's say who works out you know three to five days a week because um i can definitely relate to that um i'll give you an example up until pretty much when the semester started semester one started fall uh for fall 2018, to about end of November, beginning of December, I was consistently working out, or I was trying to go at least four to five days uh, in the gym. And around that time, of course, just because um, of school, exams coming up, a lot of um, school work, a lot of assignments, um, I kind of completely stopped working out uh, that time because I was really busy. So right uh, following that, I, I did feel like my mood, was not um, the same, I wasn't feeling the same liveliness or I wasn't just as energetic. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was feeling some sort of a lack of motivation yep. to just prepare. I'm not sure, I'm sure there's other factors to it too. It's just like uh, the winter blues, as they <laughs> call it. And, uh, just, and being towards the end of the term, it gets hard. But I think um, I'd be interested in seeing a study, for example, that looks at, let's say university students um, Or in the kinesiology program or something like, or anyone who's really working out um, consistently and for some reason, if their workouts are interrupted, Mm -hmm. what is the effects um, on their brain? And just in the general population, what happens and uh, what are some changes that take place in, in the brain?
0: Especially because when university students tend to stop exercising, it'd be interesting to know whether they choose to stop exercising because they know they can't handle it with the mm-hmm. amount of coursework or because they feel as though they're forced to stop. So again, yeah. that goes back to the voluntary yeah. exercise versus force, but in this case, a voluntary withdrawal versus forced withdrawal of exercise. Yeah. So I'd be interested in knowing if that affects the brain differently.
2: Maybe there could be a multivariate study of see yeah. like, what's the reason, <laughs> how much and why. What Yeah, that's, yeah. that's definitely, I hope that's something. <laughs>
1: There's another component to this as well, and I'm going to call them external factors. Uh-huh. And what I mean by that is, is not just exercise, not just school, but what other kind of commitments, responsibilities, and whatnot you have to fill that however many hours of a day that you're up from the time you get up in the morning to the time you go to bed. So we talk about going to school and sitting in a lecture. When you consider a lecture is, let's say, three hours, two hours, under three hours, <clears throat> excuse me, there's not only that, there's the time. Do uh, you commute to school? How mm-hmm. much time does it take for you to commute to school? How much time does it take for you to get home? How much time does it take for you to study for a test? Yeah. All those external factors come in and play a role in this as well. Mm-hmm. Um, we might not always realize it. And you hear oftentimes the expression, there's not enough hours in a day. Yeah, yeah,
2: and a, a lot of that
1: can be a lot of that can be a huge contributor to this as well.
2: Yeah, yeah, I I agree with that, and um, for sure, I think um, more research as uh, as the field progresses, um, as neuroscience progresses too. Um, I I can't wait to see all the research um, that's going to be coming in, uh, in like, about this topic specifically because um, I think there's a lot of just for us humans in general to better ourselves um, and especially using a tool that is natural and as at our disposal uh, for things like um, it just, it's just looking at um, problems with uh, diseases and stuff like Alzheimer's or dementia, or even in young adults, like who are experiencing depression because um, I'm sure that that is an epidemic in our, mm-hmm. in our demographic, you know, a lot of students go through that. Um, so to see more research uh, with exercise and how it's uh, helping depression or how it's changing certain behaviors or how it's changing uh, mental framework. Um, yeah, I, I'm looking forward to, mm-hmm. I'm looking forward to, I'm looking forward to all the progression that we need and all the research that comes in. But, um, yeah. Is there any other final thoughts that we would like to share
1: guys?
0: Um, no, I think we covered a lot of it. Okay. Um, yeah. I feel as though I think I found-
1: we did too. And like you say, I'm, Really think that it'd be interesting to see where research goes as it goes forward, and also the the methodology that they use yeah. to conduct that research, mm-hmm. right? Because research findings are research findings, but the methods they use, the way it's conducted, even the situation can play a big part in what the research outcome actually in the end.
0: Yeah, mm-hmm. you know,
1: if you do something on a, a day. Uh, and you have a person that's feeling really, really great that day. Well, they can have a great turnout in the research. You go mm-hmm. see that person the next day and they're feeling, you know, down or they're feeling depleted, uh, not, not energy, uh, not energized, sorry, uh, whatever the case, that can have a complete different outcome with the research results based on those factors alone.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So it'd be very interesting, I think, to see and compare.
0: And I, I think another factor to uh, take into consideration too is like um, genetics, whether your parents yeah. worked out a lot or not, because a couple of my studies mentioned that they're suspecting that there might be some carryover effects, that um, if your parents worked out a lot and they exercised regularly, that that can cause them to have better overall health, which in turn can affect um, their children and their children's children. So mm-hmm. I think that would be interesting to look at as well.
2: I think um, that to a certain extent is genetic and, and environmental at that yep. point as well, because if um, they're working out and if they're following a healthy lifestyle, I'm sure they're implementing that into the next generation as well. Yep. And they continue to do do, do mm-hmm. that so on and so Nature. forth.
0: Yeah. So yeah. how much Nature of it is nurture. brain yeah. versus nurture yeah, like our and, environment?
2: And I think um, that's something that we should all be aiming for too. Because um, the more we learn now, the more the more knowledge that we have about the benefits of exercise um, on us as a whole. um, I think it's really important that all of us um, eventually start implementing that into our lives in some way, shape or form Mm -hmm. and uh, not just think about us um, or in short term, like, Oh, this is good for my body or I want to look um, good, or I want to look like this. But just think about long-term, too, our minds because that's what we're going to have even when we're 50, 60, 70. Um, so it's, very, it's, a, it's very good to preserve those things and, of course, to implement these things into the new generation um, just for, you know, betterment of uh, the, human, human yeah, the human race. So we could, uh, we could create like, or the next generations can create a better um life for themselves like yeah. they can manage their stress better they can manage uh their time better just their bodies better
0: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah that's great that's really great what a
2: perfect ending <laughs> Thank you.
1: You.
0: um i i just want to tell you all it was amazing it was really really good i love listening to it um it was just it was amazing. And I'm gonna not say much more because I can't. <laughs> yeah,
1: no worries. Cool. Um <laughs> I guess you guys focus on getting yourself better now. Yeah. 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 Take right. care. Take care of yourself. Feel Make better. better. Feel better. Feel better, Mandy. Please
2: take man. time next week.
0: <laughs> See you next week. Bye. Bye. I miss
1: Mandy. Bye now.